You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Nations Photo Lab. Your photos do not belong on your phone, and you can get 15 free square prints from Nations Photo Lab. Just head to nationsphotolab.com slash print your photos and use the coupon code IMPROVE15. Nations Photo Lab prints are made by photographers for photographers, and you can choose from 4x4 or 5x5 sizes on their professional quality luster paper, and voila, You've turned your Instagrams into instant handheld memories. Make every moment matter. I want you to head over to nationsphotolab.com slash print your photos and use code IMPROVE15 for your 15 free square prints. Welcome in to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and today I am joined by my good friend, Brent Bergerm. How are you, Brent? Hello, doing well. Good, good. Glad to hear it. All right. <laughs> we have a couple of little things we need to take care of at the beginning of the show here that have nothing to do with our topic for today. Um, but a couple of like follow-up items from some previous episodes. The first one being the reaction to our reaction to the the specs of the EOS RP camera, the full-frame camera that Canon recently released. Um, and like we thought, there's been some listeners who have contacted us about that. <laughs> and um, I don't want to go over any of the specs again or or, or much else to, other than to say um, some people took away from the episode that Nick and I were really like excited to sort of tear down the RP camera that we sort of were taking pleasure in saying that this camera seemed to, in our estimation, fell short. And that's not true. That That is absolutely not what was intended. We try to have a good time on every episode here at Master Photography. Nobody wants to listen to a couple of people talk uh, without excitement, <laughs> without having some fun. We want to hear people that are having fun. And so it, it's it's a tough thing, but that is really not what we, the intention was. Yes, the camera has some specs that we didn't think were good enough, um, but it wasn't bringing us like a tremendous amount of joy just to say that it wasn't good enough in some areas of the specs. Um, so the, really the, the, the biggest thing that we hope everyone does is you get the right camera for you. You choose what's going to help you to succeed. What's going to help you to, to make really great photos and, uh, and get out there and shoot, use whatever you've got. If, if it's the RP, awesome. Go, go do what it'll do. It will still make Really good images, beautiful, beautiful images. You can do so much really with almost any camera you pick these days. You're going to be able to do some incredible and amazing things with it. So the most important thing is get one and get started. I don't care which one it is. We're, we're giving reviews to try to guide people so they can find the right camera for them. But whatever it is, whatever your circumstances are, whatever you're going to choose, go get it, buy it and get going. That's that's the biggest thing. All right. So there's there's that one. Um the other thing we wanted to talk through really briefly, because we've had a lot, we get questions probably, uh, you know, a few a month about this. Um, we want to talk about improved photography a little bit. And I know we have a lot of new listeners to the show who really didn't listen back when the podcast was called Improved Photography, but we kind of just need to um, 
remind people about how what the relationship is these days with uh, master photography and improved photography. So it's almost been a year now, Brent, yes. since since we switched. Um, since our very good friend Jim Harmer was extremely generous. And he turned over the podcast that he had spent many years building. Um, he turned it over to the five co-hosts of us. Uh, we, we have Brent and, and Brian and Erica and Connor and me. Um, he turned that over to us. Uh, he just let us have the podcast. Let us take it over. And so the podcast used to be called Improved Photography. And we renamed it Master Photography. And we took over the podcast we didn't take over anything else that Jim had that was associated with improved photography. So he had a couple of websites. He had some other things that he offered to photographers and he retained all everything there. Like we, we are not involved with any of those, those things. They're fully separate uh, things these days. So we do the podcast and we do our websites and we run the podcast network with portrait session and latitude and photo taco and, um, so that, that's the stuff that we do. Um, we don't do anything with improvedphotography.com or any of the other services that, that Jim had. So we love Jim. He's a really good friend. Um, but he made a decision to have a change, a massive change in career path for him. And I know it wasn't a, an easy decision for him to make, but it was one that, that he decided a little bit, almost a year ago now. And we don't really have any more, uh, business connections to right. Jim any longer. Well, and that's one of the things that one of the listeners that brought this up recently was pretty much asking about. He was kind of in the in the the mode of thinking about, you know, in the past we've contributed to the Improved Photography Plus website, and I was like, well, I can't speak for the others, but I'm pretty sure they're not contributing to that anymore either, because uh, I had a video up there, have had one for about two years on there, uh, but certainly I've been focusing on my own things. As as people have been listening, they know I'm really focusing on setting up my own uh, type of uh, lessons and the th type of things like that and kind of moving forward that direction. So uh, I don't know if you have put anything up there in the last year or so, but nope. I, I just assumed nope. that no one had. Um, so yeah, it's, it's um, an important distinction to make for sure. Yeah. Yep. So if you want to ask questions about that, you're going to need to go find a, a different avenue <laughs> to ask those questions. Is it's uh, we don't really have that business relationship anymore with Jim. So there you go. <laughs> Hopefully that answers the questions for listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's get into the actual topics now of this episode. Um, I kind of want to go in two directions in this episode. In the first part, um, I'm going to talk, we want, I want to talk about features, camera features that have saved shoots. I had a recent experience. That's why it's brought up to mind. I, I had a, a really important shoot to me personally um, that that came up and happened this last week. And um, I'm going to describe more about kind of the details of why it was such an important shoot at the end of the show. But there were a couple of camera features that really helped save the shoot for me that I was so glad I had. And they're features that are not necessarily available in all cameras. So kind of goes, uh, goes back to why we even discussed the EOS RP at all. Um, at the spec level and what the features are, are there, where, they, where we felt like they, the features were falling short, because some of these features do actually matter. <laughs> when you, it does have an impact as you're trying to, uh, to create your photos and make photos that um, realize the vision that you're having um, that are going to be pleasing to clients that you're going to have. 
And uh, there, there are some, some features that are really, really important. And there's a couple here that saved my shoot. Brent, can you think, before I get into my stuff, is there any feature or any, t- any shoot that you've had where there was a particular feature that just saved your bacon? A particular feature, my goodness. Um, I can probably think of one if I give a little more thought. Okay. I was I was focusing on the, yeah, the latter the questions half. that we have down the the line. So, um, you know, we, I know we're going to get into Wi Fi, but one thing that I that I think I want to point out with that RP, one thing I think you guys mentioned last week was that it has both Wi Fi and the Bluetooth, right? And I think that is going to make connection a lot easier because the cameras that I've connected to that have both to my phone and they, they have both the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth seems to go, it seems like they're using both uh, technologies to authenticate the device. Uh-huh. And it's really sweet because it tends to be a lot easier. And uh, that's just one thing that's kind of uh, hopefully can. And again, I haven't tested, of course, I don't have a, a copy of that camera yet, but um, it, it might just make the connection of, of that Wi-Fi really, really slick. And that, that could be really nice to, to do uh, for sure. Whether or not it would save a shoot that I'm doing, you know, I tend to be the, the travel landscape-ish type stuff. And that kind of shoot uh, doesn't necessarily require the, the, um, the remote triggering. But when I do re- require that remote triggering, uh, it's awfully nice to have that, that yeah. little feature. How about something like uh, bracketing or, you know, a feature like HDR capabilities as a landscape shooter? Have you, is there a feature there that's really like made, uh, made a shoot for you? I tend to not do that in, uh, in camera. Uh, I'll, I'll bracket manually okay. and I will do the HDR mix manually, the exposure mix manually uh, in post-production. Uh, one thing I do love, I don't know that I can characterize as saving the shoot, but I just love my GPS in the camera. Oh, there you and go. And I think it should just always be there because I used to, uh, especially when I was um, in the film days, but uh, certainly in my first digital camera where I didn't have the GPS, I would have to take extra shots of street signs or you know maybe even write, possibly I would write some notes and then take a photograph of that just so it was be right in the line. And... So I could, you know, figure out or remember where I was. And now that I have GPS, I mean, that's just like, oh, scratching my head. Where was I? Boop, map module. There it is. And it's it's awesome. I, so I do love that. Um, but again, saving the shoot, it's more about saving my bacon afterwards saying, <laughs> oh, I can confirm that's where I was. Right. Uh, and that's pretty sweet to be able to do that. Yeah. And I, we, I've seen questions on the in the groups before about their Canon, their camera doesn't have GPS. The phone does. Is there a good way to merge the two and make it so that I can like automatically, of course you can do it on a, on a photo by photo basis. You could go take a photo, the same photo from the location on your phone and then take it from your camera. And then you could manually pull the GPS info out from the photo on the phone and add it to the, um, the photo in like say Lightroom. Um, but they wanted like something might do it more automatically. I've seen questions about that and I haven't heard of a, a really good solution for that. Have you? Well, Fuji in their app, they actually allow you to connect, allow whatever they, they have a feature that allows you to connect, uh, to the camera. And so the camera can use the GPS signal from the phone. Ah. And so you, the only problem I have with that is just remembering to set it up and then um, you know then it would just use extra battery from the phone right and right. I get a little concerned about something like that you can also do a GPS logger 
to where if you had a separate GPS or if you had a logger on your phone, again, extra battery power is being used, uh, you can then match those up in Lightroom so long as your clocks are synchronized between your camera and your phone. And so it can take that data and match it up so it can do that. Uh, I've not done either of those simply because it's in the camera. And when you have, there's two settings uh, in the Canon setup anyway, you can have it be pretty much on all the time. Even when you power the camera off, you can have it be on because it does do a GPS logger uh, if you wanted to do that. And Uh, so you could overlay it on Google Earth or something like that. But I have it on the other mode where it just literally, it only, you know, receives a signal like every 30 seconds or a minute or whatever it is. Uh, because I'm not, you know, usually moving super duper fast and uh, I have enough accuracy with that type of time frame and it really saves the battery and I hardly notice it. That's why it's not a problem. Very cool. Okay. So let's, let's talk about, there were two features in particular. Uh, one that I had hardly used that we'll, we'll get to kind of in, in just a second here. Um, but they both made a big difference in this last shoot I had. Uh, the shoot would not have gone nearly as well without these two features. So let me set it up the, the shoot situation, the environment I had to deal with first. Um, and then uh, at the end, there's, there's a lot more to the story that we'll get to kind of at the second half of the show here. But okay, so here, here's the setup. This is a portrait shoot. Uh, it's a couple. And we, uh, we, want, we were going to go shoot in a pretty small room in a house. It's a place I'd never been to before. Um, the room was actually for an infant about 10 feet by 15 feet or so. I think I didn't measure it out, so I couldn't tell you for sure, but roughly about that. It, it was fairly small. I'm just trying to give you the idea. It was small. And there was a, like a crib in there and a rocking chair and a diaper changing station in the room. And, and we had to kind of move that stuff to the side. Um, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of time for this shoot and I'll get to why in a, in a bit. Um, so, it, you know, we had to move this furniture around in a very small room. So it was, it was really, really tight quarters. And, um, I, in, I knew ahead of time that it was pretty small. So, but I, I, uh, decided I elected to use the Canon 80 D on this shoot instead of my 70 Mark II. And it's for these two features that that's why I elected to do that. So I also used my Tamron 24 to 70 lens and I knew I was going to be at the 24 end of that focal length the whole time, get it as wide as I could because of the tight quarters. Um, and it, it meant that I had to put my camera on a tripod all the way up, back up against the wall. Like I, I had the legs of the tripod up against the wall as far as I could possibly get it just to make sure I could get them in, uh, get them in the, in the shot well enough. And the first feature then of the ADD that was invaluable this time, like it would have been much harder to accomplish this shoot if I didn't have it was that fully articulating LCD screen. So that's where you can you can pull the rear LCD screen completely out from the camera. It goes all the way around and could even come back towards you if you wanted. But I didn't need it to go that far. I just I needed it to flip out 90 degrees so that yeah. I could see to the side of the camera what the composition of the shot was. This is the kind of feature that to me I don't care what grade the the manufacturers think they're making this should just be standard in my opinion because absolutely I, there's so many times when i'm down at a low angle you know i've got a canon right now a 5d mark 4 and it doesn't have any type of movable screen and it's just really annoying because <laughs> i want to be able to just I know it's possible on these other cameras. That's why it's annoying. If it weren't possible anywhere, I'd be like, meh, whatever. 
because you know we never had this back in film days uh but sure. anyways so just to be able to flip that out oh my goodness what a absolute time saver yeah and i've never heard a, a good justification for why why is that considered something a pro doesn't need and a consumer needs i i don't get it there i could see about uh weather sealing and ruggedness of yeah. the camera i could see that and for that i i understand but the other thing is you can also flip that screen around so you protect it and That's so right. if you're concerned about ruggedness just flip the stupid thing around and you're wait, ready to go and it's oh my yeah we we, we need more of those yeah <laughs> I'm not. I mean, that maybe sure. maybe that was legitimate some time ago, but I gotta imagine these engineers could weather seal a. Uh, I would <laughs> today. I would absolutely think yeah, so because really, it's it's just a hinge. You know, you don't need to weather seal a hinge. You need to weather seal the connector. That's you know that wire, whatever it is, the ribbon cable. Somehow you need to weather seal that. And sometimes when I see those uh, items for those others like Sony and Fuji that just have it flip up it doesn't flip out right and then that's a super super thin ribbon cable i do get a little nervous with that thinking you know if i'm in the canadian rockies like i was a couple of weeks ago and i pull that thing out am i just going to crack that ribbon cable you know I, I get a little nervous about stuff like that because when it gets down to like negative 16 degrees things become plastic becomes very brittle and it's just something i would be a little nervous about but with this you know fully articulating screen Everything's encased. There's no exposed anything, right. and it feels a little more solid that way. Yeah, I just I gotta think the engineers could totally do it, and yeah. I, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. Yeah. So I'm glad the ADD has it because I yes. really needed it, and uh, it made it so that I could sit, I could stand next to the tripod and the camera, and I could get the composition. I could use the electronic level, which I suppose is a third feature. I didn't count. Uh, that I used in this, but all of those things made it so that I could actually do this shoot and it would have been tremendously difficult to do without it. So I was really glad that I had that. All right. Now, now for the, the bigger feature, the one that I hadn't had a lot of experience with, and I wish I had investigated a little bit before last week's episode. Um, we, we covered, that was one of the specs from the EOSRP where I talked about um, on this episode again, that it has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, the, the both of them. And I still, I don't have a camera that has Bluetooth. I've never used a Canon camera with Bluetooth. The 5D Mark IV doesn't have Bluetooth, um, Brent? No, it does not. All right. So, it has just the Wi-Fi. All right. So I, I don't know exactly what that means. I have not looked into it or read about it at all. So I still can't speak to the Bluetooth. But uh, I really couldn't speak to the Wi-Fi either as I hadn't really used Wi-Fi in a Canon camera. Nick did reassure us that... Uh, it worked really well, at least on the 5D Mark IV. It was very, very it nice, yes, and it worked very concur. well. So we at least did include that in the information last week and expected that the RP probably had it work well. Um, I did have experience with my 7D Mark II, which didn't natively have Wi-Fi, but it does. It has a card. It looks. It's the shape of an SD card. In fact, you put it in the SD card slot. And then it enables Wi-Fi features in the camera, even though the camera itself didn't have it. That does not work nearly as well. <laughs> so, who's the manufacturer of that card? I'm Canon. Canon makes the card. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. I so, actually didn't know that because I've heard of the other one. I can't think of the name right now. Yeah. There's the iFi cards, iFi yes. SD cards. That I never um, had luck with that either. That were third parties. Yeah, they were pretty limited, but you know, it kind of worked. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's a lot of cameras now that even specifically say <clears throat> they don't support 
those yeah. cards. You can't even right. like you can use them as, as an SD card because that's another thing they could do. Which, by the way, the Canon card does not. If you put this, if you get this card and you put it in the SD slot, you cannot store photos to it. It only provides Wi-Fi to the camera. Interesting. So, so now you've got to use the CF card, which is nice. At least that there's two slots. So now right. you can use the the CF card slot in the 70 Mark II. Huh. Um, the other downside is with the 70 Mark II thing. Um, when you use the the li- it's much more limited. I've tested between both of them now, the Canon 80D and the 70 Mark II. Um, it really almost disables the camera from manual use while you do it in the 70 Mark II. So you hmm. you enable the Wi-Fi functionality, and it now shifts all f- features of what you would do to your your iPad, your sorry, your tablet or phone to take photos rather than using like you can't even push the shutter button and have it work wow wow so it, it essentially disables the, the manual stuff on the camera that you could do and now you have to use your phone or, or tablet to uh mm. to do that so anyway um that wasn't the the point of the whole thing i didn't <laughs> intend to go off on that tangent, Little tangent but, there <laughs> but the add i hadn't actually got around to trying out the wi-fi um, other than I had kind of connected it or tried to connect it during a shoot in the past. And I don't know about you, Brent, but that's too much pressure for me. <laughs> it really is because there is a process you have to go through. And I know we're going to go through those details, but when you're in the shoot and if you haven't set it up, it's just like, why won't it work? And it's just, <laughs> right. you mean I have to push that button now? What? Yeah. You know, after frustratingly going down a, you know, a certain path and you're like, oh, there's a message on the camera, huh? You know, it, it is a little bit and you just got to get kind of used to that process. And once you're used to it, it's fine. And that's where I think uh, when I connect my GoPro and there's, I can't remember the other camera I connected that had Bluetooth, but when I connect the GoPro it's like three seconds and it's done. Right. And I think that's where the Bluetooth is helping. Uh, you have the Wi-Fi for the range, but the Bluetooth to get you started is what it seems like to me. And I thought that was really nice uh, about that because I was like, wow, you mean it just connected that fast? Oh, that's amazing. So uh, I was really pleased with how that works. And I just hope that Canon's done the same thing with the RP because that'll make it really convenient for, especially for those who that t- camera is targeted towards, they're going to be like, right, look right. how slick this is. And that's going to be amazing uh, experience for them, I think. Which would be cool. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how yeah. that specific feature, the Bluetooth plus Wi-Fi yeah. turns out with the RP. That that might be really exciting that from that camera on, we might have uh, a better way to connect. It's not too bad. We're going to walk through. I, I wanted to kind of walk through the details about how you get connected Absolutely. on the yeah. ADD. Um but before I tell you how we did how to do that, um, the reason I wanted it. Okay, so and there's more to the story which we'll get to. But um, I, it was really important for this shoot that the client was able to see every photo we made right after making the photo, right after pressing the shutter button. They needed to see the photo, and in this situation, I got the camera backed up against the wall. It's really kind of challenging, even with the articulating screen to make sure I've got um, everything squared up properly. I don't, that I have everything level um, that I'm zoomed in how I want. That I'm getting the focus, taking the camera off the tripod to go show them the photo <laughs> after every shot. We would have been there a long time. That would have, that would have extended the shoot a lot. And in this case, that was not good. That would have been a really bad thing, which you'll understand after I tell the, the yeah. more story of the story. 
Yeah, and it just really upsets the process. It too. does. Yeah, and that's just no fun. Uh, was the baby in this in the shot as well? I, I presume no, the baby no, was in the shot. No, no, no? baby. Okay. I, there, I'll, I'll tell you the, the whole story okay. at, at the okay. end why, why it's that way. Yes, yeah, so right. I, I want to keep people engaged. Yeah, save it for the end. No, it's more for later. More for later. <laughs> um, okay, so what I really wanted then, as I when I learned that I was going to do this shoot, and I felt guilty last week after not re- knowing I hadn't really checked out the Wi-Fi on the ADD. I was like, I got to check that out now. And I got, I actually had some people contact me and say, it's really good. You need to go try it on the ADD. Awesome. So, yeah. so yeah, our listeners are so great. They're, they're wonderful. So, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend the morning of the shoot. I had some time to kind of get prepped and, and think about what, what equipment do I need? And I had to go through like my lighting choices. And, um, and so I decided I am going to make sure or check out the Wi-Fi capabilities here because really what I want is I want to be able to use my iPad to show them the photo that I just took. And if the Wi-Fi will allow me to do that, even if it's a little bulky, cumbersome, or kind of a, a process that's a little bit not, not as good as I'd hoped, uh, which I didn't know if it was or not, that still would be better than taking my camera off the tripod <laughs> to go show them the photo. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I thought, all right, I got to go in, and check this out. So morning before I went and checked it out and it's impressive. It's really cool. The way that this works. Um, there's only one little thing I wish they, they could change and it would just be flawless from that point really. But, um, so here, here's how it works. Here's what you do to set it up. Um, the first thing to understand is there's kind of two ways that you can use the Wi-Fi on the camera. You can have the camera produce a signal, a Wi-Fi signal of its own. It becomes like a Wi-Fi hotspot itself. And uh, that's kind of how the, the iFi stuff that we talked about previously works too. Right. Um, I think this is a very common way that cameras approach this across all of the brands. They have the option to have the, the camera itself become a hotspot, Wi-Fi hotspot that you would connect your phone or tablet to. The other option, and I don't know if this is common among other brands, maybe Brent, you might, but they, you can also have the camera connect to the, another Wi-Fi hotspot. Like if you're in a house and you can connect to the Wi-Fi the house has or at a school or a library or some other place where they, they have Wi-Fi for the building you're in then you can connect the camera to that Wi-Fi and your phone or tablet to the Wi-Fi and use the features the same way over that Wi-Fi connection. And that actually would be better if you have that option because now your phone or tablet not only can control your camera um, through the Wi-Fi, but it can still get to the internet. Yes. (laughs) Which is a a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now, now you could like download a photo and actually share it on social media, for example, without having to disconnect and reconnect to a different Wi-Fi or use your data on your phone or whatever, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's the best case scenario. Although doing that with at least on the Canon ADD, um, even with the touchscreen, it's really painful to put in a password for a Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not easy. It's, you know, it shows you can imagine it's, it's that little LCD screen on the back and it's going to show you a keyboard on that LCD screen of all the different keys that, that you need to be able to put in a password. And most passwords these days are not small, simple things. We hope they're not anyway. Oh, they're long. Yeah. So And your finger covers about oh, yeah. five keys. Right. And yeah. it's... It's really it, terrible. It's, it's a bit painful, but... 
yeah, that that's where an open Wi-Fi would be delightful. But then you're like, why why would you have an open Wi-Fi in yeah. most scenarios anyway? Why would you have that? You definitely <laughs> want to protect your Wi-Fi. Yeah. So anyway, um, that is probably the better option after you get it connected. But getting it connected with the password challenge would be could be rough. So anyway, um, I didn't want to spend the time to do that on this shoot. Again, time was really important on this. I we had to make this shoot as short as we could. So um, I just was determined. I'm going to just set it up ahead of time. I'm going to uh, get it connect. I'm going to use the camera as a Wi-Fi hotspot. I'm going to have it produce the signal that I'll connect to. Then the other thing that helps um, it because when your when your phone or tablet gets connected to it it won't get an internet connection through that Wi-Fi signal. Something that can help and maybe has led to me having issues with this in the past. If you turn your phone or tablet to airplane mode first and then just enable Wi-Fi, that will help your, your phone or tablet to realize it doesn't need to test and see if it can get to the internet. And yeah. um, because uh, it, if you don't do that and you connect to this Wi-Fi signal, one of the things it's going to do, and they've, they've worked really hard to kind of help people understand, do they have a good enough Wi-Fi signal to get to the internet? They test it. The phone or tablet does, has built-in stuff to test that connection. And if it can't get to the internet through it, it's going to just disconnect. It's going to say, well, this Wi-Fi signal either isn't strong enough or there's something wrong. I can't yeah. get to the internet, so I'm going to disconnect. <laughs> Which is a, a problem, right? You, it's not good. We know it's not going to get to the internet now through the Wi-Fi hotspot your camera's producing. That that must be why, because I use this function when I was recording my videos for uh-huh. my course, and I would use my cam my phone to start and stop the video camera f- function, and that thing had to be on. You know, the camera had to be on all the time, and if it ever you know quote went to sleep or whatever, uh the the phone would just automatically disconnect and i was a little bit uh you know dissatisfied with that so i actually told both items never go to sleep <laughs> right right and it sucked battery like crazy but you know i that's what i had to do so it, it worked it was fine and i don't know if this would help that i mean you could try it and see but um for sure it it makes it so that it's less likely to disconnect from the camera's wi-fi i never i we shot for nearly an hour it never disconnected once the camera nice. didn't go to sleep but um it, it never disconnected so it was really solid following following this approach which a, a listener actually recommended so thank you listener for that that uh, that suggestion to make sure i did that um to to make sure i had a really solid uh, persistent connection to the camera. So, yeah. so that, that's helpful. All right. So that's what I did. I used the Wi-Fi hotspot. I connected the tablet. Then for Canon, you have to get the, you have to download an app called the Canon connect app. There is an older one out there. Uh, it's something like remote connect by Canon or something like that. It was the predecessor to Canon connect. And they, I, they did a good job actually. Cause I downloaded, I didn't know which one I needed and I downloaded the remote one and, um, and it, when you launched it, it said, hey, this is the old one. You want Canon Connect. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's good because <laughs> that one was rough. Right. Okay. So uh, yeah. so I downloaded Canon Connect. Really simple. Got it installed. After I connected to the Wi-Fi, brought it up and immediately recognized the camera. Saw that it was there. And then there's lots of features that are there. Um, I guess there's two primary things. You can, of course, control the camera. So you can control it. Pretty much just like you would using live view on the camera. Whatever you can do in live view is what you'll do through Canon Connect app. 
over Wi-Fi. So you get a live preview of what your, you know, the camera sees right there on your tablet or phone. You can control all the manual settings. You can control focus where it is. Uh, you can, of course, trigger trip the shutter button and take photos. Um, and then the other side of it that I, and that's what I was more interested in. I wasn't worried about controlling my camera in this case. I was more interested in having the photos that you just took show up, which are is there. And it does a really great job. There's not a lot of lag, which I was worried about too, but there's, there's not, it's, it's really very close to instantaneous, at least close enough that it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. The, yeah. This is the only spot where I'd change it a little bit. Um, so it, it works kind of like camera roll does on an iPhone uh, for, for all you, any of you that are iPhone users where, um, you know, you can get a view in the camera roll of like all the photos that you've taken, see kind of, you know, back through a long time um, with little thumbnails and the kind of a date driven timeline there. And then you can click, of course, on a single photo and have that come up and be the only thing that sh- the phone shows. And it works very similar to that with the Canon Connect app. The one thing I wish it would do was if you are if you selected the the most current photo and then you take a new picture, I really wish it would just auto refresh and show the new photo, the one that you just took. And it doesn't. So you have to go from like looking at the one photo you you were on, hit like the the back button. Um, and then so that it shows all the photos and now the new one will show up there and then click on the new one to, to get to the new one. So I wish it would work just a little bit differently there, but overall it solved my problem and it really saved me in this shoot to be able to have the client be able to see the shot that we just made and, um, you know, evaluate changing their position, changing like even their chin or the, where they were looking at whatever, um, just to, to get to the photo that they really wanted and really fast. It was very quick. So really, really cool feature, uh, works extremely well in the ADD. I was impressed. Um, so I'm kind of wanted to cover that here just to redeem oh. what I said last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Cause uh, also using that tablet is just you know, perfect. If you were to hand them your phone and say, here, let's judge your image off my phone. Certainly that's just a really small thing and oh, it can yeah. be done, but it's just wonderful to be able to have a tablet like that to, to offer the, the larger image. Uh, I am surprised that it doesn't automatically advance for some reason. I remembered it doing that oh. and I must, I must be misremembering because uh, there was a time I forget the exact reason. I think I didn't have the right cable or something. I was in class and I was trying to tether uh, my shoot that I was doing. And uh, so it would come up on screen in Lightroom and I didn't have the right cable. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll connect to my phone and then connect my phone to the TV. And that's what I ended up doing. And for some reason, I thought it advanced, but it possibly didn't. I, I, I could have easily have just gone over and just reviewed the images after I shot them. But well, it could be anyway, that it works it differently matter. on other models, too. That's that's totally possible. I suppose that's possible. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it, it, that would have made it just a tiny bit better, but ah, it, yeah. was, it was perfect. It, yeah. it really enabled this shoot. Those two features, having the articulating screen and having the ADD Wi-Fi so that I could we could use the iPad. Um, it, it just made the shoot and would have been really, really tough to do this without those two things. And so that, that's why features are sometimes are really important. It, they do matter. <laughs> we talk about them a lot because they do matter. So anyway, um, we're going to get to 
a, a more important topic right after we uh, we thank a sponsor for this episode, which is HoneyBook. Um, you know, across a large number of the episodes of the Master Photography Podcast and the Portrait Session Podcast and Photo Taco and Latitude, Brent, uh, Brian, Connor, Eric, and I, we've all talked about the challenges that photographers face as a small business. We're small business owners, and it's a very competitive market. We've got to find ways to distinguish ourselves, and we have to find ways that we can save money and time. So I want to tell you about something that will help you there, help you to spend less time handling the administrative work of your photography business and more time doing what we all love so much, making incredible photos and working towards mastering the art of photography. So this service called HoneyBook, I've been checking it out for the last couple of weeks, and I'm really impressed. They have a, a very nice all-in-one business management platform for creative and small businesses, kind of the combination of the two. It's really designed very well to support small businesses of creatives. So it, it's just perfect for photographers. And um, it you don't have to like replace your website, your portfolio site that you might have today, whatever you've got that's showing your work and drawing in customers, you keep all of that. That's that's excellent. That's what you need. This will help you with uh, streamlining your processes, things like client and calendar management or tools that help you to, to create custom branded proposals and, and get those contracts in front of your clients. Uh, you've heard us talk a lot about that, how important it is to have a contract very early on in the process as you're accepting a job or talking about a job from a, a client, getting that con getting them to, to sign a contract ahead of time is, is really, really important. Helps protect you and the client, a really important thing to do. And HoneyBook is a service that can help you to do that, really make that helpful. Things like e-signatures, electronic invoicing will also help you get paid faster, which I know can be a real challenge for photographers, making sure that, because that, uh, often you'll have in your contract, half up front, half on delivery, something like that. And uh, the half on delivery tends to lag <laughs> and make it a little bit harder to get. So, you know, over 75,000 photographers, designers, and other creative professionals have trusted HoneyBook and have saved them hundreds, if not thousands of hours a year. And that's why we here at Master Photography have decided to partner with HoneyBook to offer listeners 50% off the first year of HoneyBook when you use the promo code IMPROVE. So you can get started by heading over to HoneyBook.com today and use promo code IMPROVE to get 50% off that first year. Again, that's HoneyBook.com, promo code IMPROVE. Now, that's five zero percent off. That is five zero. Yes, I'm glad <laughs> I, you made I, that distinction. I heard you say that. I'm like, did he say fifteen <laughs> or fifty? Oh, I'm glad you said and, that. Then, and, and then I'm looking at the show notes here, and I'm like, fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds very intriguing. Yeah, you got no reason not to go check it out, listeners. You yeah, need to go check amazing. it out. It's a really cool service. I I can recommend it. So that's it's awesome. Um, go check it out. If, you, if you're at that point where you need like that little bit to help you with your process, help you save some time, which of course saves you money, then uh, go check it out. It's a really cool service. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Now let's, let's talk about something that's actual like important. <laughs> um, it's all important. It's, it's all fun. I enjoy all, all of the content we produce. It's, it's fun to talk about and I enjoy our conversation so much. Absolutely. I love the, the interaction with the listeners too. And, and we have a great time. It's, it's fabulous. Um, but I really wanted to, to, to talk about 
this topic today because it also goes along with my experience with this last shoot. Uh, we're going to talk about impactful photos. So, Brent, I want you to think over the time you've been a photographer, and I want you to tell me about the photo you've made that has had the biggest impact. It might not mean it's the one that's the very you know, most technically competent or put together photo, but whatever photo really just had a lot of impact, maybe on you personally or okay. on the client or something like that. Do you have an example of that? Oh, it's, it's difficult to boil it down to one. And it is something that I was going to ask you to define impactful. <laughs> and you, you pretty much have, whether it's, you know, to me personally or maybe family or clients or right, something like right. that. Because certainly there have been some pictures I've taken just with my cell phone uh, that have been very impactful because it's the casual image of the kids that to be able to record that memory and be able to record whatever it is that we're dealing with there. uh, I just wish I had that with my first son because my first son, uh, yeah, I've got some pictures of him, but they're slides and they're all, you know, buried away in my, (laughs) my cabinet kind of a thing. And they almost, except for the ones that I've scanned, they almost, you know, pretty much never make the, see the light of day. Right. Uh, but still they're, I would still call those impactful for sure. Uh, as far as my business is concerned and, and me as, as a photographer, there's a couple of things that uh, it certainly rises uh, to the top a little bit. And that one, the first one I want to talk about is um, an image I made it here in downtown Walla Walla. And... Uh, Walla Walla is where I live. It's in Southeast Washington. And there's loads and loads of history uh, back in the, you know, eons uh, when things were first being settled out this direction. uh, Walla Walla was the place. It was the capital. It was everything about this region. It was the Walla Walla territory. And so there was lots, there's just steeped in history here. And it's a really cool place. So this particular image I'm thinking of, though, we have this iconic clock downtown that is the Falkenberg's clock. They're a, a local jeweler that have been around pretty much forever. And so they have this clock on Main Street. And it was uh, after our parade of lights. So every holiday Christmas season, we do a parade of lights in early December. And, you know, it's a small town, almost a hokey affair because it's small town type stuff. And it's a lot of fun, though. Uh, it's It's really cool to get out and you know, brave the cold, that kind of a thing. But I had env- envisioned this image of the clock with people after the event walking by and blurring them. And the clock also has lights on it, uh, these globe lights. So it's also like a, a street lamp as well. Uh-huh. And so I got this uh, really nice framing of the people walking by and just lots of blur because I drug the, sh- the sh- uh, shutter to the neighborhood of a half a second, maybe, maybe a second, maybe three, three quarters of a second, somewhere in there. Okay. And as they're kind of walking by, you get just this, this motion and there's just lots of, you know, uh, visual energy happening in this image. And so this was, this ended up being the cover of the first calendar I produced and sold in local stores. And then I also, a couple of years later, published a coffee table book on Walla Walla of just my images. And so it was the cover of that book as well. And so it has become a little bit of an iconic image for me as my identity as a, a regional, basically a photographer here. And it helped kind of uh, establish me as, as that, you know, travel-oriented 
photography type items. Uh, because of that image on my calendar, it led to me working with the local tourism board to uh, provide some photography for the tourism board. Very cool. And, uh, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there for a while. Uh, at around 2005, this is so long ago, uh, at around 2005, I actually took a new job. And for my photography career, that was kind of a mistake because that was an all-consuming job. But then in 2007, that's when I published the book. I also uh, became a professor, and that has been uh, really good for for me and the family. And uh, as a professor, I need to uh, constantly pursue professional development. And so that's what all this kind of stuff is about as it relates to my career. Not only is it personally fulfilling, but it feeds into my career. Uh, Other items... Other items that I've uh, done since 2007, from 2007 to 2014, uh-huh. I participated in some teen-focused short-term mission trips. And so having a type of purpose along those lines where we're going to Central or South America, and one time I went to the Dominican Republic, and we're photographing the activity that's going on, supporting the building of churches and schools. Very cool. That's super meaningful to me. Yeah, yeah. And being able to effectively, I guess, just just volunteer my time and my images because uh, for some of those, there was a little bit of support to help get me there, but certainly I'd made zero dollars on <laughs> right. these on these events. And then, of course, they're using the images. And when it's this type of image usage, I just, I don't care about my copyright. I just want, the organization, whoever wants to use it, uh, let them use it for those purposes and don't worry about paying me any extra fees right. or anything like that. And so they've been used, <clears throat> excuse me, those images have been used in church publications to inspire other teens to participate in future projects and by the organization that coordinates those projects as well. So uh, it's it was it was pretty pretty cool to do that once a summer basically. Uh, there was a couple of summers I skipped in there. I think in that time frame, 2007 to 14, I did it five or six times. And, and then finally, as far as personally very interesting image, uh, I have an image of the Taj Mahal. And in the show notes, if you want to take a look at that, I, I put a link to an image, actually a series of images there from India. Uh-huh. And the one I really want to look at, and maybe I'll post this in the Facebook group, and it's it's been around, people have seen it, but especially for news listeners, you probably haven't seen it yet. But I have a picture of the Taj Mahal, and to me anyway, it's not your average picture of the Taj Mahal. And it is uh, off to the side, so our normal picture of the Taj Mahal is right front and center, everything's you know equally spaced and all that. Uh-huh. And so on this one, I was standing right in front of one of those uh, minarets that's off to the corner, uh, in the corners, because there's four minarets that are you know, in each corner of the, the main slab of marble that the Taj Mahal sits on. Right. And so I then used my wide angle lens. I believe this was the 20 to 35. Uh, Canon doesn't make this lens anymore. It's long been uh, replaced. Uh, but then I did a three frame, I believe it was a uh, pano, a uh, vertical pano and stitched it together later. And so it's just this ultra wide view, uh, you know, wider than 90 degrees. It's more like you know, as far as our field of view, it's more like 110 degrees or 135 degree field of view. And it just has this different look on the, on the, uh, 
the Taj Mahal and I convert it to black and white. And then I've got people down in the lower right corner and a couple of people, you know, strewn about on the marble, but otherwise it's not that crowded of an image as far as people are concerned. And, uh, for, <clears throat> for me and my vision as a travel photographer, something like that is, is something that, uh, <clears throat> boy, I got my something in my throat now. <laughs> so, something like, like that, being able to find an image that, to me, I felt anyway, was fairly unique uh, of this very iconic, well over photographed subject. Uh, I was pretty proud of that. And uh, so I'll put that in the Facebook group so people can see that. Yeah. And then I'll put one more in there too of some very successful drive by shooting um, photography related. And that is in, also in India where we were just going by and there's lots of people that just effectively they're homeless. They live beside the road. And so I have this shot of this magnificent tree reaching up behind them. And it's just a very quick slice of your average day life for a family that lives this way. And uh, so we can, I'll show those in the, in the Facebook group uh, here in a couple of days or less. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make sure those are there. You can go to the show notes to see it too. We'll, we'll put them in there. Um, yeah. Very, very cool shots. Very nice. Thank you. Okay. So um, let me tell the story more depth about this shoot that we just, that I just had where I needed these features. Um, so what happened was I have uh, some longtime friends of mine. Uh, we've been friends for uh, better than 20 years and we were next door neighbors for about 12 years. We moved away uh, several years ago, but for, for a decade we were neighbors and we've been, very good friends ever since. And for about 10 of those years, um, the, uh, the wife in this couple, uh, has been battling cancer and she, um, she's been putting up quite the fight for 10 years. Very, uh, hardy woman. That's just, you know, she's, she's incredible. She's a very, very good woman. And she, um, she's just learned recently that the doctors tell her, the chemotherapy is no longer working and she's, oh she's going to lose this battle very soon. Mm. Um, they expect two, three months. Um, she's going to lose this battle, which of course is devastating to the couple. And they, they thought, you know, for so long she's battled this, she's gone in remission and out of remission a couple of different times. And, uh, so She's been doing the chemo a lot. She's been losing her hair. She's been more important. She's been losing her eyelashes, which were really important to her. Mm. And so she knew she needed some photos like really fast because this is going to happen really fast. And she wanted photos taken before she looked like she was losing the battle to cancer. And so, uh, so she said, can we, can we do it? We need to do it soon. And she even had, this room picked, which is why we had the constraints we did with the room. Yeah. She loved the wall, this white wall um, in, in her daughter's house, in this toddler, in this infant's room. She spent a lot of time there with her daughter as she's had, um, she's had, she's got a, a fourth child on the way right now. And uh, with all the children, um, this, this woman, this neighbor of mine has spent a lot of time there rocking these children and looking at this wall. And so it's really meaningful to her and she wanted to be in front of that wall. That's why we were going to be in this room. So, um, you know, we talked about this on like a Thursday and we arranged to be there on Saturday. So we only had a couple of days to kind of prepare for this and figure out how we were going to do all of the shooting. 
So, um, so yeah, we, when we got in there, we moved the furniture around. And the other part of this is um, things have already progressed to the point where she can't walk her on her on her own anymore. She she needs help to get up and down, and we couldn't have a three hour shoot here. <laughs> we yeah. couldn't have a lot of time as we were doing this. She was not going to be able to even set up, um, you know, through a, a really long shoot. So. We needed to go fast. We needed uh, to get the lighting up really fast, and uh, we needed to to nail this shoot. We it's not like we're going to have a lot more opportunities to try to do this if we if we didn't get the photos. So uh, you know, it was a little nerve wracking for me. Um, <laughs> I I uh, I stay away from weddings in part because of this type of pressure. I don't really enjoy that. I don't enjoy the. Uh, the post pressure either of, you know, getting the photos edited and out to the couple so fast and, and all of the, that goes into that. I'm glad there's people who do it and, and love it. That's awesome. And more power That's to right. all of you who like it. <laughs> just not for us. It's just not for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but these are my friends. These are my neighbors that, uh, that I care a lot about. And I really wanted to make sure I produced, I, I made some photos that were going to be memories for them um, with this really tough situation. So I was really grateful that I had the lighting I needed, that I had the camera I needed, I had the knowledge I needed to be able to go and, and create these images. And those features on the camera made it work. Uh, I think we only spent maybe 45 minutes shooting and we got, uh, I think, 15 different images. So she was really concerned about having a certain look in her photos. I mean, I mean, you think about it. She's facing something where she knows she's probably not going to be here much longer. Mm-hmm. And she was really wanting to have it look nice for, or, or how she envisioned it looking and to be able to have her see on the iPad, what the shot looked like and saying, Oh, I want my chin up just a little bit more or a little more this direction. Or I want this look from my husband here or you know, all the stuff she could totally change it. And then we'd take another one and she could look and say, that's closer and let's change this and that. And it made it go so fast. And, uh, it was just, it's an incredible experience. I almost get emotional just, uh, just describing yeah. it again. How it's, it's very emotional. Yeah. How impactful that was. And, and part of what I wanted to then illustrate through that story, I've, I've done a couple of shoots like this actually of, uh, people with significant health challenges um, I just wanted to to encourage the listeners out there, no matter what skill level you think you have as a photographer right now, how far you are down on that journey to master your photography, we can have superpowers <laughs> with people uh, because almost anything, any of you listening to this, if you're listening, you have a skill level that is worth, um, that can contribute to people and their lives and, and capturing memories, making memories that they'll be able to have forever. And, uh, and you should use that. Don't, don't throw that away. Jump at that chance um, and, and go use that. Do something powerful and meaningful and contribute to people. And man, I learned a lot doing this shoot. I'm so grateful um, that I had the opportunity and that they thought to ask me. Um, Absolutely. It was really great. Well, and this was also about it, it, the way I'm interpreting it. It's, it's really about her lasting legacy. It is. And she, you know, for the first part on her side of things, she's very thoughtfully going through this in her mind. And then on the other side of the camera, 
you were able to help her achieve that. And that is just, you know, there, there's, I, I just can't say anything more because there's no <laughs> words that express how important that is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. It really can be. And I, I think we underestimate as photographers how good that can be um, yeah. to, to help people out and, and how important it is to them, how emotional it is for them to be able to have that. It's, it is. I love it when even like a, you know, a normal, like senior portrait shoot or a normal family shoot, when you can show mom photos and she kind of gets tears. Almost, it happens regularly, but this yeah. one just really hit me a lot harder, <laughs> a lot, a lot more uh, powerfully. So a very, very cool experience. I'm really glad that I was able to help out. And I, I hope that listeners will seek out those opportunities. Absolutely. Okay. Now off of that note, <laughs> that very serious note, um, let's talk about doodads of the week. Let's wrap up the show and, and uh, get listeners back onto their, their lives. So uh, doodads of the week. Uh, I'll go first. I'm going to just recommend the Wi-Fi capabilities on cameras. Go check it out. Go see what your camera offers. Um, if you've got a Canon camera and it has Wi-Fi, you really need to figure out how to use it because it's pretty cool. I, I intend to use this feature now with almost all of my family portrait shoots. It's going to be so much easier. I've, I'm very much in the habit of you know, taking a shot. I don't usually shoot with a tripod. We're usually outdoors, and it's just an extra thing to set up that doesn't really help. Your shutter speed's usually plenty high enough to, uh, to not need it. And just go handheld. So I like the flexibility of being able to, to do the composition myself yeah, instead of being on a tripod most of the time. Yeah. In this case, I needed it for this shoot. But um, even in that situation, so I'm, I'm used to like, you know, walking up to the family or the senior or whoever, whatever we're doing and showing them on the back of the camera, which is great. They, they love that. And it's, it's a thrilling thing for them to see. I think, wow, that's cool. I've, I've had lots of, of people say, well, my goodness, I, I look good in that photo <laughs> and say, yeah, you do. It's, it's great. Um, but it's even better on the iPad. It's such a bigger screen. I don't have to move, which is an advantage I have. My wife comes on these shoots and she helps so much as we do this. So she can go show them on the iPad and she can kind of um, even point to the image and, and it, it, it's helpful in posing situations. Like you're trying to get yeah. someone to pose a certain way. And now you can show them on the iPad, like, no, see if, if you just lifted your chin up a little bit right here or whatever, you know, change to the pose and then take the shot and show them. And then they go, oh, I see. I understand. Okay. And uh, it's, it's really, really helpful. So if you have that capability, you haven't really looked into it yet, go, go look into it. Go figure out whatever camera you've got that has it. Go, go check out and see, see what it does and uh, how it might work for you. All right, Brent, what do you have? Yeah, and you're probably kicking yourself a little bit for not doing this earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've done that with some features, too. It's just like, why did I not just, you know, figure this out earlier? <laughs> but that's that's all right. It's good to know it, and, and your it, shoes it are going to be a lot better for it. And it, it kind of goes along with what I, I've tried to say a lot on the show has been, uh, there's not, you don't need to upgrade your camera all the time. There is value in learning everything your camera offers. All yeah. of the features that your camera, there are probably features on the camera you have right now that you don't know how to use. So go figure it out. Go try it, test it, see what it can do so that you know how to use every single feature that there is on the camera. And that, there's really good power in that. You can get so much out of the cameras we have today. And and one feature actually, I had a, a listener ask me about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had made an announcement that my New Year's resolution was to do back bucket 
<laughs> back bucket. Uh, yeah. back a button focus right and i actually finally uh did make that switch um i had my first uh, major shoot of the year when i went up to the rockies in canada and i was like oh yeah i better make that switch and it was almost like second nature really yeah um there was a couple of times where i still went i i probably missed my focus because i didn't reestablish focus after okay. recomposing or something there may be a couple times where that happened but for the most part when I'm shooting landscapes like that, it is, I'm on the live view anyway, and I'm so used to just touching the screen. Uh, when it's that wickedly cold, I'm not touching the screen. Right, right. So to use back button focus was just fine. And it worked beautifully. And that's another feature that is uh, actually on my camera. It was already technically set up. It was just about uh, disabling the focus on right, the shutter button. The shutter button, right, right. And so that that was pretty sweet. I was I was very appreciative of of being able to just dive right in with that and, and make that happen too. Yeah, but anyway, cool. my doodad, I'm going to go with the Think Tank Photo Backlight 26. I took that bag to the Rockies and shot with it mostly. I had another one along with me. And it's just a really nice backpack. And uh, it's something where I don't find it to be too huge of a backpack. That's one of the things I'm always kind of talking about is to say I want to go with as small a kit as possible usually. And also the most efficient way of doing it. And I did find myself, they have a feature on this backpack where they advertise, you know, if you swing it around and still keep the hip belt attached, you can get access to the camera from, you know, the back of the, the backpack, but it's still on you and you don't have to set your bag down. And that's certainly a fine feature. It's just not something that is a huge selling point for me. Uh, I imagine if I were you know, somewhere, maybe it's India or wherever else where it's super crowded, that would be a huge selling point for me. But when I've got loads of snow gear on and I just need, you know, to get to my camera, it's, uh, I found myself just taking it off and it was, it was fine uh, to just do that. Uh, I did like the back access. That was certainly nice. But as far as keeping that hip belt, hip belt attached, I was just like, nah, it, it just doesn't, with all that clothing on, it just didn't seem to be a big deal. When I shoot again, I'll I'll certainly think about it again and and uh, see what happens there. But I just didn't find the need for it. I love that bag. It's been the bag I've been using since 2015. So, oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've been really vacillating between that and the Ultralight 36. And so, Think Tank actually was able. They were willing to send me both of them for a review, and uh, the the. Ultralight 36 is actually going to be some kind of a giveaway. I'm not sure how I'm going to manage it yet, but when I finally release my print course, we're going to use that as some kind of incentive. So uh, I just haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to do with that. Very cool. All right. Well, it's time to finish up the show here. We're going to remind everyone, masterphotographypodcast.com is where you're going to find the show notes. So head over there to see the the images that we've talked about. I'll, I'll share one of the images that came from uh, this year that I've been talking about too. Oh, that'd be awesome. Facebook group is Master Photography Podcast. You can search for it on Facebook or you can go over to masterphotographypodcast.com. There's links to all of this stuff in the show notes. You can connect with me at uh, jsharmanphotos.com, my other podcast, phototacopodcast.com, which um, by the way, on the upcoming episode, I'm going to go over the enhanced details feature of Lightroom. So you can look for that coming soon. Uh, yeah, Facebook, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's interesting 
concept. I'll say it that right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On Facebook, I'm Harmon Jeff. Twitter, Harmon underscore Jeff. And Instagram, Harmon Jeff. But don't have to remember any of that, especially because one of them's different from the other. And just go <laughs> over to the show notes and you'll be able to, to link there and, and see, get to the, my social media stuff. Brent, where can people find you? My main website, brentbergherm.com is just my name. And I went through a subtle rebranding recently where I have on the the main thing, it says uh, just helping photographers achieve more. And it's just trying to be the idea of, you know, I am an educator. I, I blog, I do the podcasting, that kind of a thing. So it's just um, going to be showcasing that. I'll bring this summer some some images, you know, some galleries and whatnot. But I've been focusing on a lots of educational content. Uh, these last several weeks and months. And uh, so I just figured, well, I should probably make that change on the website. Uh, certainly latitudephotographypodcast.com. That's for the show notes for that show. You can find me on YouTube. And then one last little thing on my summer workshops that are coming up. I do have a deadline coming up. The 31st of March here is the last day to be able to sign up uh, as far as needing the minimum requirements signed up. And so uh, right now I don't have that met. And it's the kind of thing where I say, uh, if they don't go, it'll certainly be unfortunate. And I've got, um, you know, some clients that'll probably be uh, disappointed as well because they are signed up. I just need a little bit more for that total solar eclipse happening in Chile. Uh, but I'm the kind of person that also has about plan A, B, C, D, and E. So if plan A doesn't go, which is, these are very much plan A, uh, you know, I'll do what I can to, to shift focus uh, once we cross that threshold. But I invite you to contact me, reach out, and uh, if those at all interest you and you want to know more, uh, plus everything is on the website. So there you go. All right. Very good. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate all you listeners. You make it uh, worthwhile to, uh, to do the podcast. It's so much fun. Absolutely. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you all again in another seven days. 